Today on Keep Classical Weird, Dr. Sophia Taggart joins us to tell the story of one of the most famous love triangles in classical music history. And as usual, she has an incredible modern day comparison for two out of the three involved in the triangle. They remind me of Beyonce and Jay-Z. That is actually a really, really good comparison. Right? Yeah. They're both talented, but... Come on, Beyonce! (laughs) Welcome, friends, to episode 15 of Keep Classical Weird. I am your host, Casey Bozell, and today we'll be discussing one of the most famous love stories in classical music, the love triangle between Robert Schumann, Clara Schumann, and Johannes Brahms. Our resident music historian, Dr. Sophia Taggart from Washington State University, is here to guide us through this tale. Let's dive right in and introduce our three sides of the triangle, starting with Robert Schumann. Schumann, pianist, composer, music critic. After studying law, he wanted to pursue music. He studied law? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he, he, yeah, he studied law and then he decided he wanted to pursue music. So he went along that path and that's how he came across uh, Friedrich Wick. That's Clara's uh, dad. Clara's dad. Mm -hmm. And then he started studying with Friedrich and would work with him and study. And he he knew Clara from like the age of nine or something. Eventually he, uh, Robert was injured. Uh, He injured one of his uh, fingers because of this crazy exercise and these uh, devices he would put on his hands to make them stronger. It actually like hurt. Oh. I remember it was, it was one of his ring fingers, I think. And so he couldn't play and become a, a famous pianist. So then he, he started composing a little bit more and then eventually founded the New Music Journal in Leipzig and became a music critic and was an advocate for other composers who were trying to uh, make a name for themselves, including Johannes Brahms. All right, so he meets Clara Mm -hmm. through her dad. Through her dad, yeah. Right? And he meets her as a little girl. Yes. And I think she has a bit of a crush on him from the start because I guess she composed a romance variation of some sort for him when she was young and said, here, this is for you. They kind of fell for each other. I'm hoping Robert didn't fall for her when she was still that young. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that would be a little scary. But um, I, I think if you look at some of the stuff he wrote about her when she was uh, younger, he said, you know, she's a smart kid, very precocious, and he didn't really seem all that interested in her you know like even just he's like oh whatever she's the daughter i think it was when she started coming of age maybe 16 17 18 i 
I think that's when maybe he started noticing her. Like, yeah, like she showed a talent for piano and composing like early on, right? Oh, she was a child prodigy. And, and, and that was partially because her dad, I mean, today we talk about stage moms, right? But her dad was a stage dad. His wife left them when Clara was four and he raised her from a young age by himself and he was really strict with her. And within five years of raising her on his own, she's touring Europe already on piano. So he wants her to become a, a world-renowned pianist because he wants to, to prove that he's the teacher who got her there. He, wa he wanted to uh, sell his method, essentially. I think maybe the same method that injured Robert Schumann. <laughs> and she and Robert fall in love, which, yeah. how did Clara's yeah. dad feel about that? Oh, he was not happy about it at all, at all. I mean, it was like a star-crossed lovers situation at that point because Clara and Ro Robert were in love. They wanted to get married and Friedrich was like over my dead body. And so, and this was maybe when Clara was like 19 and she and Robert sued her dad to get her emancipated early so she could marry Robert. How old did she have to be to, to be like- 21. 21. So like you, you know, people got married before 21, but they had to have the okay of their, their parents or, you know, it had to be something that was approved. It wasn't until she was 21 that she would have been able to marry without his permission. And so Robert and Clara sued her dad to allow the marriage to happen. And the whole process took forever long. By the time they finally won their case, she was almost 21 anyway. And they actually got married, I believe, the day before she turned 21, just to like thumb their nose at her dad. Wow. Right? That yeah. had to have been incredibly awkward with the relationship that Robert already had, like going to study with yes. him. And then all of a sudden they had to turn around and sue him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that feels like that he might as well challenge him to a duel or something. But I know. Wow. It's so dramatic. Do they have kids? Oh, my God. They have eight kids. Eight? Yes. I think she has one or two kids within the first two married, uh, years of marriage. And all the while, Robert's composing and running his journal. And then Clara is touring and performing Robert's music. Robert's conducting a lot of the orchestras when she plays concertos. They're career oriented and Clara is is composing as well. Wow. I mean, they're both very active and it's kind of amazing how their lives progress and their careers, especially because they don't have a lot of support from family. Obviously, her dad's not going to want to help out. Robert's family, I don't think is financially flush with cash so they struggle uh somewhat yeah they just continue to have these careers i mean now clara always made sure that hers didn't outshine robert which was kind of hard because clara by the age of 20 was one of the leading pianists in europe leading pianists in europe at that time included clara schumann franz liszt uh, eventually Chopin, you know, I mean, those are the three names, obviously. She's incredibly famous and more so than Robert, to be honest. 
But she downplays her own career to not outshine him, or he insists that? How did that happen? Um, She makes sure she doesn't really focus on composition. So she writes a few compositions here and there, some of which are just phenomenal, like her piano trio, which Mendelssohn himself said was, like, amazing. But she knows that that is Robert's area, you know? Like, she plays the piano, he creates the music, Mm. and she doesn't to infringe upon what he's doing because we still have all those antiquated gender roles governing society at that point in time. So she's very careful about what she does. And if she goes anywhere, she always plays music by Robert Schumann, you know, and she makes sure that he's there and he gets his accolades as well. Robert Schumann, great musician, great, nothing wrong there. I'm not saying that, you know, Claire was amazing and Robert was awful. No, both really amazing. But really, when you think about it, Clara was like the queen of classical music. They remind me of Beyonce and Jay-Z. That is actually a really, really good comparison. Right? Yeah. They're both talented, but come on, Beyonce. <laughs> so that is that is Schumann, uh, uh, Clara and Robert Schumann. That, that's who they are, really. <gasps> All right. So things are going swimmingly. They have a ton of kids. They've got these careers. Yes. And even Mm -hmm. though they don't have a lot of support, things are going along. And then somebody else enters the picture. And how does that happen? Johannes Brahms. Be stole my heart. Okay, so <laughs> Johannes Brahms gets a letter of introduction from Josef Joachim. They're good friends. They've played together. And uh, Joachim says, you should meet Robert Schumann and, and Clara Schumann. So he sends Brahms to, I think it's like Dusseldorf, with a letter of introduction. And so he, he ends up meeting Robert and Clara. They immediately just think he's wonderful. You know, he's a great pianist. He has a good skill for composition. And he is young he shows up and i think he's like 20 when he shows up to meet them oh wow and he's just this cute little blonde you know beardless boy who plays piano really well and who immediately kind of gets adopted by the schumanns and so he he's meeting with them and then and that's actually when everything goes to pot for the Schumanns. And it's not Brahms's fault. He's not the angel of death or something. But he starts falling in love with Clara. Five months later, Robert Schumann has a breakdown. And he walks out of their house one morning, hangs a right, and goes to the Rhine River and just jumps in. And he tries to commit suicide. Bam! Just pretty out of the blue? Yeah, yeah. Just... Well, well, I should say, yes, kind of out of the blue, but at the same time, like he's also he's he's suffered from depression, and he's been he's had little episodes here and there. Clarence uh, said that he would get up in the middle of the night and go write down a melody and say that the angels sang it to him, and he had to write it down, or you know he hears things, and 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 so there's there's a bit of a psychotic element to his general life and then he suffers from depression to begin with and so really Clara just chalked it up to you know that's what makes him such an amazing musician and a great artist and and that was something she knew uh, 
was a thing with him. With that said, yes, he just up and gets up one morning and runs or goes over the river and jumps in and tries to kill himself. So then oh. he gets taken to an asylum where he stays for the last two years of his life. And during those two years, Claire is not allowed to see him. His doctor won't let her see Robert. But Brahms ends up being the go-between. He goes and visits Robert and comes back and tells Clara how, how Robert's doing. Wait, and so why why was that? We don't know. I don't know. Probably because she was, you know, a poor, meek woman who wouldn't be able to handle seeing her husband. Mm. Okay. Yeah. A so woman they, who had pushed out eight babies. I was going to say, babies. she seems so fragile already. So she so yeah. she has to stay at home, at the, but the doctor's like, oh, but this guy that's living with you, he can yes. come. Yes, and, and right after Robert went into the asylum, I mean, Brahms moved to Dusseldorf to help Clara support her family Whoa. while Robert was in the asylum. Yeah. And then Robert's in the asylum for two years. Claire doesn't see him. And then finally, Brahms came back towards the end of Robert's life and was like, oh, yeah, Robert's fine. And it, because the doctor didn't want Claire to know what was going on, but she started getting suspicious because she's a smart woman. And so she goes and eventually finds out that Robert hasn't gotten out of bed in like two weeks or something. And then she goes to the, to the asylum and sees him. And it turns out he has pneumonia and he dies two days later. Brahms remain close friends for the rest of their lives. It's interesting, Brahms in a way takes over the role that Robert had where when Robert was composing, he always wanted Clara's opinions or help with his compositions. That's kind of what happens with Clara and Brahms. They remain good friends. She starts playing Brahms's music on all of her concerts, mm. you know, but they never get married or officially become an item. She then goes on to have a career for almost up till six years before she dies. So her career in music lasted like six decades. Really, from, from the point when Robert dies, that's when we see Brahms start writing a lot of his big works that become incredibly famous. That's like the stuff that carries him through to the end of his life. So it's so fascinating the way that all turns out between those three people. And we know... We know this about all of them because of, like, letters that they've left behind, right? Like, we know about Correct. their feelings for... And especially Brahms and Clara, we know about their feelings for one another through these letters mm -hmm. as well, right? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. It's clear that they have a friendlier relationship than she had um, with Yosef Joachim, who she was also very close with. But I think in the letters, it's clear that she has a much closer relationship with, with Johannes Brahms.
obviously she's a strong person because she can have a career for six de decades. She's, you know, one of the leading pianists in Europe, but also her dad put her through the ringer to make her be able to perform under like the worst circumstances ever. There's stories about how her little brother died and he made her play a tour like three days later, like start a tour. I mean, this is like a woman who, who can have the absolute worst thing happen, you know, and immediately go on stage and perform anything and everything. And, and, you know, she talks about some physical pains that she had before going out on stage and stuff that other people, us mere mortals would be like, I can't play. And she just went and barreled through it. And yeah, I mean, she's a, a tough woman. I mean, I know it's like a love triangle between the three of them, but in my opinion, it's just Clara being awesome and the other two guys are all right. <laughs> I love that. And that's our show for today. Many, many thanks to my friend, Dr. Sophia Taggart for her storytelling and general awesomeness. The theme music you're hearing is by Thomas Barber. Check out more of his stuff at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Our craziest opera tournament is still going on, so make sure you vote on social media or by sending an email to keepclassicalweird at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay weird.